The American legal system is a mess. Just ask anyone who's found themselves caught up in it. The maxim attributed to Gladstone, justice delayed is justice denied, certainly has a major role to play in why it is that Americans are frustrated by our judicial system. New York attorney Anthony Curdo has taken it upon himself to write a book offering his perspective on what we can do to improve matters. The book is The Time for Justice, How the Excesses of Time Have Broken Our Civil Justice System. Mr. Curdo knows about the topic at hand. He's had a 50-year career practicing law, during which time he's represented many notable clients, such as Russian dissident writer Alexander Solzhenitsyn, football great Freeman McNeil, and financier Bernard Baruch. Anthony Curdo has been involved in many complex, high-profile matters and feels, as he stresses in the book, that the best way to serve your clients is simply to resolve issues in the quickest, most efficient way possible. We certainly agree with Mr. Curdo on that notion, yet our system seems to favor redundant jurisdictions, cumbersome paperwork, archaic procedures, and surprisingly impotent enforcement of court directives. We're keen to hear our guest's take on such problems and, above all else, his proposed solutions. And I want to note... As we start, that while doctors and lawyers often don't see eye to eye, there's not going to be much dissent from this correspondent with in our discussion today. I'm pleased to be able to say welcome to Radio Parallax, Anthony Curdo. Delightful to be with you, and uh, your synopsis of the book is wonderful. Well, we try. It's just fascinating to me, Mr. Curdo. You illustrate how our system is justice delayed using the example of the legendary Harlem congressman Adam Clayton Powell. Can we start by talking about Powell and why you chose him and his legal maneuvers to demonstrate the flaws in our system? Well, surely. Um, Adam Clayton Powell was the predecessor for Charles Rangel, who everybody knows. Um, and he was a powerful uh, congressman from Harlem, reelected time after time with substantial majorities. And he was being tried when I was in law school. And it was day to day on the front pages of all the newspapers. And I watched the case going through law school, and I was fascinated by uh, the uh, length of time it took and the inability of the system to enforce what I consider simple rules that we were learning at school on a day-to-day basis um, uh, and, and that apparently had no effect on Congressman Powell. <laughs> so the case went for a, it was a simple defamation. Uh, Adam Clayton Powell accused a black woman in Harlem of being a bad woman, that is, collecting money for the police. And as a result, that defamation, uh, she brought a lawsuit against uh, Powell that lasted 10 years, took 60 judges, uh, two foreign courts, 10 domestic courts. It went to, um, she, he was tried at, in, in Congress, in the House of Representatives. He was expelled. The case went to the U.S. Supreme Court and ultimately reversed, and he, and he was paid his money for back salary and all the benefits associated with being a congressman. And the court system, although adjudicating him uh, a debtor early on, could never enforce its judgment. Uh, and so that you understand the framework of this. And so what I did is I, I really told this story and interspersed this with various cases involving um, Harry Chapin and Ted Turner, Freeman McNeil and Scholzenitsyn and Paula Abdul, etc., that I had personal experiences with, and also ordinary cases of people like yourself and myself who got caught up or get caught up in this mess called the legal system. Now, to understand this, 
you have to understand that justice is really delivered to us on two different levels. The first is the rule of law, which is the ruler by which we determine whether our behavior is legal or not legal, lawful or not lawful. And the second part of that is the administration of that rule of law, and that is how do you get into court and how long does it take to get a decision out of the court? And more importantly, because time is money, how much does it cost? And that's where the system is broken down. The system is 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 living in an age um, that is long gone, um, and 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 we live in a time when money can be transported from one country to another simply by pressing a button. That people get on a plane and are in another country in in twelve hours, and and we have a legal system that's moving along like a stagecoach <laughs> in a society that's so mobile and so electronic. We're, we're, we're really stuffed into a package which is really not operable and not working, and it's, it's really favoring not the wealthy, not the poor, but the person who doesn't want to comply with basic uh, responsibility. So as the individual owes money or owes an obligation to perform an act, this system works beautifully because it delays the case to such a point that the individual uh, who is expecting payment or expecting an act is compromised in waiting two, three, four, five years or longer, and as a result is willing to compromise his rights and sometimes lose them because the other side keeps resisting artfully uh, the responsibility. Years ago, Abe Lincoln, believe it or not, Abe Lincoln and Judge Judy had a lot in common. <laughs> she, uh, Abe Lincoln would come into town. He would ride circuit. People would line up, get before the, him. At the end of the day, his, the case was resolved. Judge Judy does two and a half hour. Mm-hmm. Now, certain, certainly, we, don't, we can't speed justice up to that degree. But what we can do is we can say people are coming into court will get a trial date within six months and then to force the litigants and their lawyers to push all of their pretrial shenanigans, and they are shenanigans, into the time that's available so that the case will be tried in a timely manner. Now, when that takes place, the parties get very real, settlements occur, but because they occur, not, not because somebody is more right than another person, but because the day, judgment day is coming and looming. So we have a bad system, and it's getting worse. One of those first uh, proposed solutions you bring up in the book uh, is how to avoid a lot of that paperwork that starts a case off by just simply requiring both litigants and their attorneys to go before a judge and just talk those issues through once, once they've, everybody's been served. Um, that, that's, that's quite a radical departure. What happens now is once the summons and complaint is, is first issued and then an answer is joined, then comes the time for motions. Yeah. In this jurisdiction in the state of New York, it's not unusual to wait six months before a motion is even determined by a court or by a judge. These matters should be dealt with immediately. A judge should sit with them. They should ask the attorney for the plaintiff, what do you want? The attorney should be asked what he wants. The judge should make a decision what is appropriate, what is not. 
should be decided then. It shouldn't be the subject of any motions. Also, uh, depositions and the rest should be scheduled, should be limited in time, and any further, and paperwork should be reduced substantially so that it doesn't bury these courts. Right now you have cases in which banker boxes uh, of files and documents are delivered on a regular basis which represent motions on the part of various lawyers in order to secure some minute point. And often the real central point is, 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 is obliterated yeah. and buried to the point where it doesn't even re- it's not even relevant to the case. Mr. Curto, I once observed a, a litigious nut, there's no other way to put it, pretend that he was not being properly served over and over and over again. He generally got away with this subterfuge. Uh, you have some interesting ideas on how we might change that. You know, everybody in the state has a driver's license, so we are in almost in every instance registered. If you're dealing with somebody in a business sense, whether he gets, uh, you, he's building a dormer on your home, or he's um, uh, your landlord, and so forth. These people should be registered in such a way with the state so that a summons and a complaint should be sent to the Secretary of State. They, in turn, would, would, would see to it that it's delivered to the, to the adversarial party, and service would be complete. Um, this having to actually go to people's homes and serve them personally, in my opinion, doesn't function at all well and offers a great deal of opportunity for more shenanigans. Well, you, uh, you also favor a change in our system that would make plaintiffs pay expenses if they appeal and lose, which I understand is how things operate in most other countries. Can we talk about that? That's right. I mean, if everybody should get their day in court. And, and, and judges should be very decisive as it relates to frivolous cases. But they should be, they they should be permitted to come into court, um, and try their case. If they lose, they should have a right to appeal. But if they lose on the appeal, then they should be obligated to pay the uh, the side their opponent's side of 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 their costs on the basis that there should be some punishment associated with exhausting the the, the court system past the first trial and avoid the necessity of multiple appeals, which are also clogging the appellate courts. Um, another thing you're not too crazy about our current system is, is hiring lawyers based upon them getting contingency fees. How would you reform that? You know, the argument is that, that the poor are entitled to access and can't pay the fees. Well, I'm sure that happens in some instances, but not all. In fact, I would say most people have a new car or a new dormer or a new kitchen in their house and still have litigation in which they have contingency fees arrangements with their uh, their lawyers. What I object to is the percentage contingency fee. I'm not opposed to a lawyer taking a case on a contingency fee basis where he records his time and then if successful out of the profe- proceeds of the settlement that he submits his bill to the court for approval and gets paid. What I'm opposed to is percentage contingency fee arrangements, because that makes the lawyer really a part owner of the suit, and in my opinion, undermines the efficacy of, 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 of the profession. We're speaking with attorney Anthony Curto about his book, The Time for Justice, How the Excesses of Time Have Broken Our Civil Justice System. 
I, I mentioned a litigious nut a moment ago, Mr. Curdo. I, I, I was stunned to note how again and again he would just flout court orders and he got away with it. Uh, in, in your book, you explain why this is actually quite common, which surprised me. Well, not only that, often these, these kinds of people get before judges, different judges each time they bring a lawsuit or each time they have to go to court. And that's another one of my recommendations. I believe that judges should have the cases assigned to them and they should follow them through, including individuals. Because, like Judge Judy, I mean, she looks at people, she makes judgments. <laughs> and that's what judges do do. They make judgments. They, Judge Judy listens and then she makes a judgment. It, sometimes it's harsh. More often it's right than wrong. And certainly if we're not doing it in a half-hour scheduled TV time, the judge can take a, a longer period of time to review. But the truth of the matter is uh, these bad actors uh, should be identified and can be identified if the, if the concentration of time and effort um, of these cases is, is, is uh, completed. For instance, if you take a look at a case that may take three or four years to complete, the amount of court time that is associated with that particular case is probably no more than a month, usually a week. And and rather than stretching that out over a period of three, four, five years, my recommendations are to consolidate it, compress it in a time frame that makes sense. Well, even General noted in the book that you think judges uh, lack uh, enough authority at the present time. Uh, how would you augment that authority? I, I would, I would certainly uh, insist that these mountains of paperwork be reduced dramatically, mm -hmm. and people, and people, except in special circumstances, there's always there's, rules are always have exceptions. So whatever I'm suggesting, there is always an exception to that, and that's what the judge is therefore to rule on that exception. But people should know that motion papers should consist of 10 pages, not 50 pages, and that paperwork should be reduced dramatically, one. Number two, motions for summary judgment, uh, which is a, a technique used often to delay the case, should be decided really very quickly up front, with the judge saying, in effect, Listen, if you intend to bring a motion for summary judgment, now that I see the issues, I'm going to deny it. So don't bring it. And, and end it right there. You see, judges need to be able to speak that way. And judges need, in a society where everybody's got an excuse and everybody's got an explanation and everybody's got a reason why they did something, we need a, a, a judiciary that makes decisions more quickly, more practically, and more in keeping with the fact that the overall system has to function. It's not satisfying to say that we have a system that is that that takes its time and 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 moves in a very slow, undulating way to provide for solutions when the whole system itself is not functioning, and people daily are frustrated and turned away from it and lose confidence in it. The system is, is human, and as such, it's administered by people like you and I. And as such, they make mistakes. And, and those mistakes, like all uh, of human endeavors, has to be tolerated within, within the system. But right now, we have a system that's not working. So we have nothing to lose. 
Well, I, I, I really want to note from real life that I'm facing a, a legal matter right now, Mr. Curdo, and, and, and uh, one thing I'm thinking about doing is just rather than getting involved in the court system is simply going to small claims court. And that's, some, that's a reform that you certainly favor. Uh, can we talk a little about that, too? Yes, and I recommend that the limits on, on, on the cases be expanded from the usual two, three, four, five thousand dollar $5,000 level to $50,000 is to take these cases, and, and what's good about them, and believe it or not, is people like yourself, like myself, other than being a lawyer, would come in, tell their story, have the other side tell the story. Now, you can have a lawyer, but the court favors uh, people without lawyers. The court, court listens, the court guides, and the court cuts through the need for paperwork, which bars most litigants and makes it practical so people can come in to the court and get redress. So I'm a great believer in expanding the judicial uh, uh, jurisdictional limits of these courts and pushing more of these matters into these courts. Well, near the end of the book, uh, you mentioned at one point how uh, footballer Freeman McNeil, he accepted an oral agreement at one point, which was to his advantage. And, and I'm surprised to note that you note that, that putting things in writing is, is just sometimes overrated. Uh, totally. Uh, many times, for instance, in a, in, a, in, a, in a complicated commercial transaction involving not a lot of money, but substantial money, there will be two, three, four, five hundred pages of documents embedded in those hundreds of pages is inconsistent language, is language that is not uh, consistent with the whole um, document that it's embedded in that is either a mistake or or just an oversight in either case paperwork is is it's very hard for a lawyer to draft any uh, 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 writing that doesn't have some weakness in it and quality lawyers intelligent lawyers can take these documents and turn them on their on their head for instance, a, a simple word like all. If, if in a document it is said that all expenses associated with this shall be paid by the buyer, and, and then the person says, which shall consist of, but not be limited to the following, all of a sudden all doesn't mean all. <laughs> all means a list of things that now, at the time, it doesn't cover the cost of the airplane shipping of the product from California, from um, the Asia to California. And now the question is, well, why wasn't it mentioned? But it all was mentioned. But you, you indicated uh, automobile and truck expenses, uh, federal express, but you didn't say air, you see. So that's what language is. And, and, and good lawyers exploit that on behalf of good clients. Now remember, behind every uh, good client, there's always a good lawyer, you know. I mean, you can't disassociate the actions of lawyers from their clients. That's my point here. Um, they're, they're doing their job, et cetera. We have to create a system that rewards good behavior. And, and, and that is a system that is timely and efficient and cost-effective. Well, as you wrap up, Mr. Curto, I'd note that, uh, that the time for justice is filled with, you know, common sense, uh, practical uh, uh, bits of advice on how we can improve the system. But for we citizens who are ill-served by it, uh, 
how do we prioritize these reforms and, and where do we now go to assert you know, pressure for change? Good point, Douglas. First of all, what motivated me to write, start writing the book many years ago was really an idealistic sense of what justice should be. But what has made, encouraged me lately is the fact that the judiciary, the bar, uh, all recognize that the system isn't working, and for different reasons. The administration of, of justice by the states and by the federal government, uh, these departments are running out of money. They need efficiency. They need to get to the resolution more quickly. And lawyers can no longer leave their offices, go to the county seat, sit an hour and a half for the case to be called, wait another half hour to see the judge, and then drive or take a train back to their office incur four or five hours of time and send a bill for $2,000. People can't afford it. So there's a great need for change. And, and, and I believe, and that was sparked my reason for writing the book, and I think it's timely. And I think in my discussions with the, the top judges in the state of New York and the administrative judges here and other uh, throughout the country, I believe there's, a, there's an awareness of the problem, and it's starting to gather uh, uh, some attention and some interest. But make no mistake about it. It's all about money. The United States is running out of money. They need to deliver medical systems, educational systems, government systems of all kind in a cost and time frame that makes sense. Well, I guess that may be one of the upsides of our current economic crisis is may, we may be Indeed. forced, forced to, to address this issue. Exactly. A lot of good things happened during the Depression as a byproduct of our times. Well, I can't recommend the book highly enough. It is The Time for Justice, How the Excesses of Time Have Broken Our Civil Justice System. We've been speaking with author Anthony Curdo. And Mr. Curdo, I hope that, uh, that you will start a groundswell of, of, of change. Well, and you can get it on my um, website, which is uh, thetimeforjustice.com. And uh, Amazon's got it, Nook and, and Kindle, etc., available everywhere. Very good, and I hope people will follow your advice on that and do so. <laughs> okay, stay out of court, Douglas. <laughs> All right. All right, let's take a short break. I would remind listeners, if you don't know who Adam Clayton Powell was, look him up on the web. You're listening to Radio Parallax. Let's take a break. Mm-hmm. 